Welcome to the Scottish podcast by Scottish people about Scottish things. We're three lifelong friends and displaced Scotsmen who get together to talk about our homeland, the weird stuff that happens there, and to remind us why we are the way we are. Welcome to This'll Do Nicely. Hello everybody and welcome to today's story with Rory. It doesn't matter what your story is. Oh my god, what is this? What is happening? Stone Cold Chris Irvin. Who? Get out of my podcast. <laughs> Gonna do something a little bit different this week. Gonna give Rory the night off, basically, from his research. And I'm gonna take the lead because this is basically about my one true love, which is professional wrestling. I'm dangerously excited. Specifically, this is about the current WWE World Heavyweight Champion, Drew McIntyre, who is one of our own. He is Scottish. He is not only the first ever Scottish World Heavyweight Champion for WWE, he's the first British World Heavyweight Champion, which is kind of surprising considering they've got some pretty famous old British guys back in the day that it's taken this long till 2020 for someone like Drew to get to it. <laughs> he's also a, was, he's a great warning for if we all spend a bit too long in America, what our accents are going to turn out like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He has a very, very transatlantic accent where he yeah. likes to enunciate every single word <laughs> so that you can understand I, what he's saying when he's about to kick your teeth in. <laughs> I wonder if he did have to go to like elocution lessons to be understood by the the Americans. Uh, I I haven't heard him speak like pre WWE, so I don't know how how Probably strong just the boys' words like water, um. <laughs> what water, 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 water. He he's um well he's from just a little bit of uh, biog about him. He's he was born in Air and grew up in Presswick, and that's a area where they generally have quite a sort of nice accent yeah. that's relatively easy to understand but yeah he's he's the same age as us he's 35 years old and he's been around in professional wow. wrestling for 20 odd years like he started when he was 15 and then he um he was been in and out of wwe since like 2006 or something like that um i so i he, saw that he he's his birthday is literally like just a few weeks before mine I think he's like literally three weeks older than me, which means for me to be as successful as him, I need to become an international wrestler in WWE and become international world heavyweight champion of the world in the next three weeks. Well, no, because I mean you've he, got he, the you've got the build for it, so right, I mean, exactly. It's not a lot. Of but he he, he did it he did it six months ago, so you should have done it five and a half months ago if you wanted to be as successful as him. Ah. Oh, well... You're going to have to shit. win it multiple times to make up. True, okay. he is only a one-time WWE champion, so you could lap him. If you get yours in now, or within the next if couple I... of months, and then get your second one quickly, uh, yeah, then... Yeah, I'm basically... You're the same. then a multi-time WWE champion. All right, I'm going to Claymore kick him in the face <laughs> in the next week or so. Yeah. On... I don't think I could, I could... I literally couldn't reach his face. No, you certainly don't have the uh, ability to get your foot up that high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. He, he's from air. He's from air. Look, I, I'm just going to ask you guys, uh, you know, putting you guys on the spot now. Um, I make no, uh, I'm, I'm not ashamed or make no bones about the fact that I've been sort of obsessed with professional wrestling since I was about 14, 13, 14. 
Um, I know that in particular when Johnny and I were uh, in school together uh, and we used to ride the school bus home, the two of us would um, get sort of reenact various uh, routines with the rock and cane and things like that at the back of the bus. Um, I think we built a friendship by doing the the people's elbow in a math maths math class. <laughs> yes, yes, we did, and um, you know, I know that uh, wrestling certainly wasn't for everyone. It's still not for everyone. I I haven't you know kept in touch with it to the extent that I uh, w- you know did when I was a teenager because it's there's there's so much of it now. It's just kind of impossible to kind of watch it all, um, mm. and you know, I'm a father and have a job and i can't do everything <laughs> um but just like, sounds like you're not dedicated but how, like putting you two guys on the spot how much do you sort of know about the current state of wwe as it is and how much were you into it when you were younger uh, have you did you completely cut yourself off from it um rory were you ever really um, into it or did you yeah what was your thoughts i mean i it? guess probably I took. I, I'm definitely the heyday times. I remember being incredibly young around the Hogan, Jake the Snake, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper kind of era, and then definitely dipped out of it, and then came back around, you know, Big Show, Kane, um, Triple H, The Rock. Uh, I have very vivid memories of you and I at a sleepover at your house spending hours playing WWF, uh, as it was known back then. WWF Smackdown on the PlayStation, I think. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. Trying to get the Dudley boys to do the D3 um, because we believed at that. 3D, Rory. Yeah, see, see, this is, I can't even remember. It's not a Mighty Um, Ducks film. Uh, that might be the problem. I was literally watching Mighty Ducks two days ago. That might be why it's in my head. <laughs> why won't the Dudley Boys do the Flying V? <laughs> it's a great, it's a great trilogy. Um, yeah, trying to get them to do that finishing move in SmackDown on the PlayStation, and I don't think it existed. I don't think they'd put that move into the PlayStation, and so we just spent hours, you know, faffing about. I think it, I but... read on a forum that they had sort of built the 3D in as a is a cheap move that you could do in SmackDown, the, the PlayStation yeah. game, and it would just was not true. It, it, or if it was, it well, was beyond our possible capabilities like of doing urban it. myth of like pulling a table out from under the ring and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it's a similar. They like, did eventually introduce those... that to later games because I played yeah. a couple of the later games and you were able to do that sort of stuff. But God, we did. It, yeah. I think. Well, that that was that was back before you know we're we're that old. It's back before like the internet, so we couldn't like just Google what the moves were. So we just had to try a bunch of different ways of doing it. But it it reminds me of like um you know Tomb Raider. There was apparently some special move that you could do to get her naked, to get Lara Croft naked, and it wasn't true. It was just like like creepy horny little schoolboys telling each other these these interestingly wwe smackdown on playstation did have a code where you could get the dudley boys naked so that was uh, yeah yeah it was worth it (laughs) um yeah so like i guess since then uh i've been in and out of it like i will read articles and websites about it every so often but i rarely sit down and watch it unless it's like a really big event and i'm with friends i don't think i would really sit and watch it by myself anymore and what about you, Johnny? Yeah, I'm similar. I mean, the time that I was very into it, I think, is that heyday when we were in school and it was all Stone Cold and The Rock and The Undertaker and all the usual. I have a bit of memory of like people like Big Boss Man and stuff like from way, way back. But I think it was like when we were in 
early bits of high school. When that, that was, was sort mostly... of the, uh, the, the attitude era, as it's yeah. known, when um, mm. Stone Cold and The Rock were the two biggies, and then there yeah. was lots of others. And that was sort of around 2000. Uh, I think that was the point I was most into it. And then I, I sort of fell away after school, I think, really. And I keep half an eye on it. And I think I mostly hear from you about storylines story that are going on. But, yeah. I mean, even Drew McIntyre, I don't really know very much now, about him. So, obviously, then, last year, WrestleMania 35 mm. was at uh, MetLife Stadium in New Jersey, which is where and the three of us went. I some oh, I somehow managed good day. somehow managed to convince the two of you to come <laughs> along and spend God a hundred bucks on a ticket or something like that. I mean, it was the longest it the longest show I've ever been to in my life. <laughs> it was incredible, long, but it wasn't if it took a lot of convincing. It, the, you, it was it was the the, the like fourteen year old boys in us yeah. immediately were like, yes, yes, a hundred percent, we're gonna go. Like it's except it the, was fulfilling a dream from when we were children. The inner sixty five year old men in us all thought when the event was going on for about the sixth hour, like let's just leave. Yeah. Let's just you get, get the last out. train. You know, it's gonna be a rush leaving. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we did have to go home and get settled. So, so do you guys remember, though, that Drew McIntyre was a sort of fairly featured part of that show? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it, that was when, so I didn't know he existed then. And that's when you told me that guy's from Scotland. Mm-hmm. And I disagreed because he was not pasty enough to be from <laughs> Scotland. He was far too tanned. Uh, and it was until he spoke. That's when I realized, oh. Yeah, maybe maybe he is. He's really tanned and he's over six foot. <laughs> can't, can't yeah, it doesn't Scotland. make any sense. This is the, yeah, this makes no sense. So yeah, I mean, I guess then that was last year, and then in the space of the the, the next WrestleMania is when he became champion. So I've kind of been keeping an eye on him for a while, and I, you know, I wouldn't say I'm a, an enormous fan or anything, but he he does have a really interesting backstory. And you know, forgive me here if I start getting really down the rabbit hole with with drew but i did find i mean his wikipedia page is enormous and i don't know who is updating it the whole time but it is incredibly detailed it was like (laughs) at least 23 pages of stuff it's it's another guy who looks exactly like you (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry who's got slightly more time on his hands like that's all it is (laughs) yeah it, it, it might well be i mean he kind of dips in and out of uh, obscurity for a while and I'm not going to bother getting into that. I think I'm just going to rattle through like his he was in he's been in he was in WWE twice basically and he got fired and then he came back and he became, you know, the guy that we kind of all know now. Why um, do you know fired why in a fired? bad way or Yeah, yeah, and I'm going to I'm going to get into it now basically. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, so he's giving he, us an overview. Yeah, the, and and why he's kind of interesting that he he not too many guys do come back after getting fired or they go away and mm. they they come back in a sort of you know comedy role or obscure role and don't really kind of hit the heights and it's still especially quite a young age like he is only 35 so he's got an awful lot of um mileage left on the clock but i'll get into it with with, with him anyway so just some sort of biog facts about him his real name is andrew galloway rather than mcintyre he wrestles under the galloway name when he was um doing independent stuff as I said, he was born in air. He grew up. In- is this sorry? Is yeah. that like because um, it's not? I, I, I would understand that that kind of name change if he was going from like you know Andrew Galloway to like Stone Cold or The Rock, <laughs> something more like you know. But he's just gone to McIntyre. Is that 
Was that more of like a copyright thing? Yeah, it's a copyright thing. So I believe licensing. John Cena and Randy Orton are two of like the only guys now that have their real name that they're wrestling with. And I think that's because it's for copyright issues. And if they go to another promotion, then the WWE doesn't want them to kind of take that name value with them. They've kind of got to start uh, okay. in a different way. Um, oh, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. But for some reason, they let Cena and Orton have their names and then they became, you know, two of the sort of bigger guys that they've got. But for, yeah, so Andrew Galloway is his real name. So Drew's not much of a stretch Galloway there. When he was a kid, I found some bizarre, one or two, one bizarre thing. When he was age 10, he was apparently into conspiracy theories and ghost stories and subscribed to this magazine called X Factor, which um, uh, dealt with that sort <laughs> of stuff. That's that's not a magazine. That's a TV show where pop singers, <laughs> no. people try and become pop singers. It's been co-opted. So, is, is he is he tried to retroactively like get like he everybody says he's really into X Factor and he's like no 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 it was it was something <laughs> cool and different it was about ghosts and and conspiracy theories I didn't just really love Leona Lewis yeah he he's done exactly that basically that's what he's written <laughs> on his Wikipedia page he's created a magazine backstory so apparently though he th- this interest in conspiracy theories prompted him to write a letter to the FBI under the Freedom of Information Act. And the FBI, oh the FBI responded by sending him a bunch of documents. No, <laughs> well, this found, was when he was still young. This is when he was ten. How old is he? He was wow. ten. Oh my god! And I, I, I found this on a YouTube um, video. And apparently, his dad wanted to know why the hell the FBI was sending him documents. <laughs> and the response was, "Uh, because I asked for it, Dad." <laughs> like, what the hell is the I FBI just... doing sending classified documents to ten-year-olds? If I was, I would be so, I think I was like scared of the FBI because I was like into X-Files, not the X-Factor, X-Files when I was that age. And the FBI was like a scary organization to me. So the concept of being from like a small town in Glasgow or, or Scotland and write, he would have had to physically write a letter as well. It wouldn't have been an email. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. That's so bizarre. The true, the Drew is out there. <laughs> <laughs> so... Also, I get this, I tallies on, but apparently when he was like a kid and teenager and he wanted to get into wrestling, his parents made a, you know, the classic deal of, yeah, we'll, we'll let you wrestle, but you've got to continue your education. So he's actually got a master's in criminology from Glasgow Caledonian University, oh, wow. uh, which up. is probably all right uh, for your, you know, in-ring psychology and stuff like you don't that. Th- you don't think there was just that- some some poor person in like the FBI post room who was like oh this little kid from from Scotland sent us a letter and has just gone back with something to be like I'll be nice if they got something in the post no I think he's actually got like the secrets to Roswell in there somehow (laughs) yeah Drew's got the truth that's the thing some guy who was on the FBI weekend shift opened the letter and was like ah yeah what was the worst that could happen what's ever going to happen to this guy he's just sitting on an absolute gold mine is wrestling these days too professional to like build all that into a really elaborate storyline? Absolutely not. Wrestling could definitely uh, do that. See, like if he's a criminologist, there could be like some sort of murder. That's being a murder. Been a murder. <laughs> uh, and then he can investigate it using his criminology well, background. Do you guys remember conspiracy theory that goes all the way to the top? Do you guys remember when Stone Cold Steve Austin got run over, and that was a storyline? Oh, Who yes. ran over Stone Cold? Yeah. If Drew had been on the roster at that point, he would have nailed it within about a week. Exactly. rather than the year or so it took for them to figure out that it was Rikishi doing swabs of body fluids all over the place <laughs> <laughs> true for god's sake stop taking swabs 
<laughs> Stop asking for semen samples from everybody. <laughs> You've got a match, Drew, for God's sake. <laughs> All right, so you guys criminology degree. That's can't, amazing. I can't yeah. wait for the first match in Area 51. That's going to be excellent. Yeah. Or will it Will it, it was, even happen? I mean, we don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Was So while he was getting this, was he wrestling like... Uh, while he was like, he, he, like sending letters to the FBI while he was getting his degree, was he, was he wrestling at that age or... Yeah, so okay, so sending the letter to the FBI apparently happened when he was ten. Um uh-huh. but the yeah, he was wrestling when he was uh, as young as fifteen. Uh apparently like driving something like twelve hours to Portsmouth, because he claims in interviews that there wasn't much of a sort of British wrestling scene in the uh I mean, at, at the time. Um I would say that's true. I think I think mo- there's a lot more now. I think it's a lot more mm. popular now. And um yeah. We'll get into that a little bit later, but apparently there w- there wasn't that much when it came to wrestling school. But there was one in Portsmouth, which for geography in in America that's that is pretty much as south as you can get in the UK. So imagine driving from Prestwick to Portsmouth for probably yeah, every like weekend. That's crazy. Like easily that's six hours. It's twelve hours. It's like, twelve hours. Is it twelve? Yeah, oh apparently. Unless it's like 12 hours round trip, I'm not sure. But I think it's, mm. I think 12 sounds about right. So he kind of bounces around, you know, the UK and the Irish circuit for a while when he's, when he's a kid. He, you know, he's still very young and uh, supposedly he had this fantastic rivalry with, um, you know, the Irish wrestler Seamus. Have you seen this guy? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, he, he apparently had this like massive rivalry with him in the, in the UK and Ireland. And it was like done on a patriotic, you know, UK versus Ireland, blue versus green, Rangers versus right. Celtic type thing. Wow. Um, and this was in 2006 and supposedly went on, you know, for months and months. Which And so I even just... in those in those smaller um, like leagues or divisions of wrestling, like local or national wrestling divisions, are they as big on the like the storylines as, as like, because like, I only really know WWF or WWE as it is now, but like, are they... Focusing on that part of it as much in the in yeah. sort of development. Well, I think I, I don't. Obviously, they don't have you know the TV shows to worry about, but I think they've mm. got weekly shows, and I'm sure that there's people that go every week to watch that stuff. There's a, a good. Um, I don't know if you've seen the WWE film Fighting with My Family, which is about Paige. Yes, that's which very is quite good. a good film, um, and that's all about the wrestling scene in Norwich. And that sort of neck of the woods. And I think, yeah, they develop storylines and things like that. Because wrestling is wrestling at the end of the day. It's all just about, you know... Sports entertainment. It's promos and pageantry. And so the guy bounces around the UK, Ireland, and the Indies for a while. But he initially signs with the WWE in 2007, which is 13 years ago like now. So he's 35 now. So he's what? What is yeah, that? Yeah, he'd only be like 22. 21, 22. 22. Yeah. Wow. So That's he, unreal. But this is like a classic example of something coming to someone too quickly, and then they f- ship him off to the farm. Which back then, it's NXT now, which I'm sure you guys have heard of. Back then, it was called FCW. So he goes there, he meets up with his old buddy Seamus again, and feuds with him again. And then there's another British wrestler called Wade Barrett, who was quite big for a little while. Um, that's basically so a development, like that's like the, the minor. For, it's it's yeah. the minor leagues, basically. Yeah, yeah. at the time. So. He bounces around there for about a year or so and then comes back in 2009, 2010 with this gimmick called The Chosen One. And it's quite funny hearing, I listened to a podcast that he was interviewed on the other day. He debut, re-debuts on SmackDown 
in August 2009. But then in September of that year, Vince McMahon himself comes out and introduces McIntyre as the chosen one and a future world champion. And McIntyre does give this podcast interview back in March when like they were asking about this because this is kind of like a gimmick that he has that it didn't go anywhere. It was a disaster. And, you know, everyone was like, why the hell is he the chosen one? He, 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 this is back in like, sorry, 2009? 2009, yeah. And McIntyre says, Jeez. I was told that I was going to go out with Vince McMahon for a promo. I had no idea what he was going to say. I just had to react to it. So can you imagine like the boss of the company introducing you and he's like, you're going to be the next rock or you're going to be the, the next chosen girl. one. Yeah. And like you're the wrestling Jesus. Yeah, and he doesn't look the part. Sure, he's got muscles and, you know, he he's a wrestler and all that jazz, but his he doesn't have like the scraggly beard. He his hair looks lame quite frankly. You know how now he's got this sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. appearance. He doesn't have that. He's just got this long ponytail. He just he just looks like for a big guy, he I, looks like a bit of a dweeb, and you're like, yeah. "Really, this guy? Are you? Are you serious?" I, I have, I have seen photos of him from around this time. I don't think I ever saw him wrestle, but he does just look. He looks like a massive wrestling nerd because he doesn't. Yeah, you're right. He doesn't have that beard, which looks makes him look kind of, you know, Scott's porridge oats type that he has now. He looks like he's come off the mountains or or out of like the Glen. He's like Outlander of. now, basically. He's like yeah, the, the yeah, 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 of that. He wasn't a great promo, and he himself has said that because of his accent, he was trying to get through every word and enunciate everything, and he, and he just came across as incredibly <laughs> wooden. He's not the best wrestler in the world. Like He's not just a guy that's like, oh, this guy is a natural. Um, so you're like, why the hell have they chosen this guy to kind of have... It's a lot of pressure. And I can't remember... a huge amount of pressure. I can't really remember who was kind of... The big guy, I think John Cena and Randy Orton were probably the big guys at that point. Um, so he gets this moniker and he farts around, basically, for want of a better word, on, you know, 2010. He's fighting the likes of Matt Hardy. And apparently in June 2010, he lost a match to Matt Hardy. And he was informed on television that his work visa had expired and that he would be deported to Scotland <laughs> immediately, but which was apparently true. Like, he his, <laughs> his his visa expired, so he was very briefly off television, like for a couple of weeks. I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry, like as three expats living wow. in America, like we all like dread that moment where the visa <laughs> shit falls apart, and you're just like, stay on live TV. Can you imagine? Well, look, I mean, I, no, no. Like, I'm assuming he knew, and he had informed them, and they built it but for some reason rather than you know. <laughs> write him off with an injury or get attacked they're like your visa's expired i mean how lame there's, is that? there's bureaucracy has gotten the way there's some paperwork that you haven't filled out therefore you can no longer wrestle with us that's yeah. oh boy yeah wow. you, i mean so he, he you know like i'm not the chosen one of wrestling is taken down by, <laughs> by the immigration like, services tape. by yeah. the department of homeland security <laughs> yeah yeah that would be a, why people are calling to abolish ice that would be a great um a great angle, wouldn't it, if he was wrestling and then he was attacked by ICE agents in the middle of the ring. <laughs> so, yeah, like, he, he, he farts around and and then in September 2012, he, he aligns himself with um, two wrestlers called Jinder Mahal and Heath Slater and he forms this group called Three Man Band or uh, 3MB, which um, 
I don't know if you guys have ever come across them, but like they're just no. a bit of a joke faction. But they're kind of like cult heroes now because they right. were so shit. And uh, <laughs> and two of the three of them have subsequently become world heavyweight champion. But at the time, they were lame. But I have to say, Wait, what one- happened to the third one? The third one just got fired recently, actually. Although he, oh. although he, he is arguably the most charismatic of the three. This is Heath Slater. Um, oh, yeah. He's 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 actually quite entertaining, I think. But my favorite thing about the three MB is that they wrestled in leather trousers for the most part. So his finishing move, the Claymore kick, is apparently a total accident because when he was in three man band. He was apparently going for a simple running kick to someone, but because he was in leather trousers that were too tight at the time, he he slipped. He slipped, and his other leg whipped up. But he thought it looked quite cool, and he pulled, and it you know it looked like brilliant. a legit. Do you know move. what I? In the tiny bit of research I did for this, I I saw that his like finisher was effectively just a, a kind of kick to the face and i was like man it's it's just like the most scottish finisher you can imagine it's like don't bother with anything extravagant just like kick him <laughs> in the face yeah well i mean to be fair like some really like sean michaels finishing yeah, kick true. to the face as true. well but like it's i think the simple ones usually are kind of the most effective but yeah the fact that it was just because he was wearing leather trousers that oh, that's were too brilliant tight. that's um, brilliant and so that's kind of the first iteration. He just gets released in 2014. He gets he, he's fired. Like they occasionally WWE and does a thing where they cull people and they. Well, sorry, when when he's doing this, when he came up with this, the Claymore kick, is he pushing the Scottishness of like his character? N- not really. No, it's just it's kind of just a thing. It's like it's there. Like he is Scottish, but it's not like. He doesn't play up. It's not to his it. persona. Not, he is no. a wrestler, but he happens to be Scottish. Yeah, basically. Interesting. And I don't remember early periods of him. You know, you would think that him being Scottish, they'd immediately put him in a kilt and, yeah. you know, Braveheart stuff and just play it up. But I don't think he ever. I mean, really... we're talking about the company that created the Iron Sheik and <laughs> Roddy Roddy Piper and and the British Bulldog and all this type of stuff. So yeah, which is a bit bizarre. And I would argue that he still doesn't a hundred percent lean into that. Um, no, not the, from what I've seen. It's part of his persona, but it's 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 not massively so. But so he gets released in 2014, and and that you know that basically sums up the first part of his career in WWE. It's like he's there, he has this ridiculous chosen one gimmick, and he does nothing. And it's like, oh, okay, well that went down like a you know fart in a spacesuit. He's quite an articulate guy, and he's done a lot of interviews since then. Of he said apparently when he got released, he was shocked because like the three man band were apparently on like literally every show, mm. and even if they were just getting their ass kicked. At the end of the day, he thought, that's fine, I'll see you down the line. And Triple H gave an interview back in 2017 with ESPN where he said, there was a conversation where it was like, it's not the right time, we tried, you tried, you need to go out, find yourself, find your maturity and continue to develop. Don't forget the things that you learned here, go out to other places, morph to them and make them morph to you, accept that role and when the time's right, you'll be back here. So... This is like when I think Drew McIntyre starts to get quite interesting because he does. He goes off to these indie events and completely reinvents himself. You know, a lot of guys, when they get fired from WWE, just kind of lean into the gimmick or the person that they are then. 
you know, I guess a good one. Do you remember Gangrel, the guy that used to drink blood uh, with Edge and Christian? <laughs> uh, vaguely, yes. yeah. Yeah, I remember going to an independent wrestling show in the UK and he was there. And that was like, he was oh one of God. the big guys on the card. And I'm like, oh my yeah. God, it's Gangrel. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes off and does that. And then he he joins various different indie groups and things like that. You and wouldn't be drinking blood during COVID, would you? Uh, that's no, just that's asking to get infected. Absolute disaster. Yeah, be rid- You would be riddled with it. <laughs> just bleach. So he goes yeah. off, and I don't know if you guys ever saw this, but there was a good documentary done by the BBC about the um, ICW. I think it's called Insane Championship Wrestling. And Is it's this a, with the guy uh, Greedo. I forget the did from Glasgow. I think Greedo or Grado. Fredo or something like that. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, which was a really fun documentary and it's worth watching if you can find it but he goes and joins or joins them i don't know if he's there the full time or if he just pops in and out but he talks about how you know they had a 1500 people go to their show and then when he was at his last show he's he's back home now he goes apparently he like goes back and forth between the uk and the us like every three every two three weeks does as many shows as he can and just really kind of harnesses his inner drew mcintyre scottish psychopath type thing (laughs) it sort of (laughs) makes it more impressive because like what i know about i've seen a bit of that documentary and like the guy grado became a sort of like household name for a moment in the uk but it felt quite like comedy in a way and he's gone on to do like pantomimes and things like that yeah so it's sort of like man he's done well to get back into the wwe from there yeah but he returns to WWE eventually in 2017 and he's, you know, chiseled, handsome Drew McIntyre with a beard and lots of chest hair and very brooding mm. and Scottish and uh, badass and stuff like that. He makes his way back onto WWE regular television as we would know it on Raw and this is when he sort of is the Scottish psychopath as he is uh, given that sort of weird moniker. And Raw, if people <laughs> don't know, is like the one of the biggest shows on TV, right? Yeah, so Raw's like WWE's flagship show. And he debuts with that, I think with Dolph Ziggler. Uh, I'm sure you guys kind of mentioned know him. He's been mm. around forever. And he's thrust into like relatively high-profile feuds quite quickly. He's, he's doing well, and he gets this match with Roman Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, which is the one that we all went to. Before before we get into that, like, this this Scottish psychopath character, like, what does that entail? Like, what does he do to kind of... <laughs> yeah, he talks about that, like, he said himself he isn't wild about the nickname because he doesn't really do anything psychotic. It's like, he's right. just a bit of a prick. <laughs> is he playing a, a heel at that point he's a heel like he's a, he's very much a bad guy at that point and he you know the attacks all the good guys and he, yeah but there's nothing really psychotic about him can we spend the next like 20 or so minutes just talking about his visa status because <laughs> that's really been concerning me since we just talked about it at earlier. This definitely point, on an 01 specific skill set yeah at this point he's actually obtained himself a green card so he doesn't have to worry about that sort of stuff so you know he's oh he's, wow that's excellent that's, that's very good yeah um i mean that is a relief he's so, been in the country long yeah. enough but he's fine actually we should probably check if he kind of goes dark after SummerSlam for like three or four weeks then we know that he's had to go back and get his visa renewed for sure <laughs> his, his l1h <laughs> 
yeah. uh, has been revoked. Yeah. He's just going to be sat at the US Embassy in, um, in London, just furious. Just like, I was the WWE so, champion. Now look what I am. A lot of paperwork. Yeah. I'm going to claim or kick my way back into the country. <laughs> exactly. Buddy, you're not going to claim or kick anyone getting back into the US. <laughs> so... Fast forwarding, gets this match with Roman Reigns, and Roman Reigns is now the guy that WWE wants to build everything around. He's the guy that they've put the long-term plans around, and they want him to be their star, their guy. So the only problem with Drew McIntyre, then, if he keeps feuding with Roman Reigns, is that Roman Reigns never loses. So Drew McIntyre is kind of treated like a star at WrestleMania, and he gets the cool entrance with the pipers and the drummers and things like that. And when you get a cool entrance at WrestleMania, that means that they 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 think that you're a star and you're the you're going to be a guy, but Roman Reigns just beats him constantly, so you can't really take him seriously. So he stalls for a bit and then he goes away, has a little brief hiatus, chunters along, but then all of a sudden in 2020 he goes in this winning streak. He becomes a babyface or a good guy, and he vows to win the Royal Rumble, and then all of a sudden he wins the Royal Rumble, and you're like, where did that come from? So the, the the last year we saw the the I don't want to say like rebirth, but like the real exponential rise of his star in the WWE begin back in last year's WrestleMania. Is that yeah? Basically, we like he was being built up as a relatively big guy, but not by no means a star. But then he seems to. I, it's funny. He just kind of between WrestleMania of the the one that we went to last year. And he chunters along and he has various feuds and things like that. But then all of a sudden the Royal Rumble, something just clicks. And I don't know if he was always planned to be the winner of it, but like he wins it. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, he's kind of a big deal now. And winning the Royal Rumble gets you to WrestleMania, right? Re- winning like, the Royal the Rumble, prize for... the prizes you get a title shot at WrestleMania. So right. like, did you guys watch the Royal Rumble? Did I, I, I asked you guys to uh, check yeah. on it. I always I think... find um, Brock Lesnar who's gone between uh, UFC and yeah, WWE. <laughs> he's, he's kind of a hard person to like, I think. And so I quite enjoyed him being beaten and it felt like it. You sort of sense, even having not been watching any of it, that it was like a big moment of change for what they normally do. So the way that they booked the Royal Rumble this year was that Brock Lesnar throws out literally everybody. And if, how is it, and maybe and I I don't want to turn this into like a wrestling podcast and maybe that's yeah. what's going to be but um how do they choose the order for the the entrance to the Royal Rumble? Well, it's, I don't know really. I mean, what, do you mean in real life or do you mean what, what is it meant to be? Is Why, there some mean? sort of <laughs> is there some concept around it being uh, random? Not really. They they usually because there's usually thirty guys in the Royal Rumble and they usually have like a sh- contest for who's going to be the thirtieth entrant, but. Otherwise, they right. don't really bother. Because Brock Lesnar is obviously massive, and he was doing incredibly yeah, well. Yeah, so this year, Brock Lesnar was the champion, and they set, and like, as part of his gimmick, they were like, I'm going to enter at number one in the Royal Rumble, and I'm going to defeat everybody. And that was kind ah, of how okay. they sold it Got this it. year. And because Brock Lesnar, the way that they set him up is that he is this dominant mega champion who has been in WWE and UFC and is... You know, he's a scary... He's just he's enormous massive, yeah. person. It's, he is terrifying. There's a, there's some wrestlers when you're like, I don't know if he could beat me up or he could beat someone up, but Brock Lesnar, you're like, holy shit, he could beat the absolute crap out of me. He also... Fam- got- didn't he, his famous thing was the 
So this is back from our day of watching it, but it says how long he's been in it. Like The Undertaker had this run of never being beaten in WrestleMania and Brock beat him, I think, yeah. in his last. That's, yeah. that's wow. it. Yeah, he beat the streak. So I thought it was, it was an incredibly cool moment that Brock Lesnar had thrown out 13 people or something like that. Drew McIntyre comes in. They have this little face-off. And then I think... What number was he? I think McIntyre was 15 or 16. So right. Brock had thrown out about 13 or 14 people, which I think was a record. And Drew comes in and just smacks the hell out of his face and kicks him out. And that's like a well, really cool... Well, He gets... Sorry, it's Ricochet punt, kicks him in the balls, doesn't he? Yeah, and then, exactly. It was like, yeah. I felt, I, I know he's a scary dude, but I felt kind of bad for Brock Lesnar. I was like, oh man, that is, they literally called it a low blow. And I was like, oh, yeah. what a way to go. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. But like, it's it's a great moment when yeah. Drew kicks him out. And actually, after me going on about how Drew loses to Roman Reigns all the time, he beats him to win the Rumble. Like, he, he is the last guy that he throws out. And there's, the WWE has a bit of a love, fans have a love-hate relationship with Roman Reigns because he's built up so much that they're like, oh, Jesus Christ, he's won again. So it was kind of a smart move for them to do that. And there's a fantastic video on YouTube of a pub in Scotland that's going absolutely bonkers watching him <laughs> win it. Like, pro- cool. celebrating like Rangers have just won the Champions League or something like that. Um, what is what is the relationship between Roman Reigns and uh, Drew? Because... They, they kind of look similar. They're the same build. They're both like on this trajectory, it seems. They faced off back when we saw them in WrestleMania and also in the Rumble. They were the last two men standing. Like, are they building to something here? You know, that's a good question. But Roman Reigns hasn't been in WWE since coronavirus because he... Really? If you remember, Roman yeah. Reigns had leukemia last year. That makes sense. So he's sat out basically at home since coronavirus. So they've basically lost their biggest star for the last six months. This takes me on to my next bit. Johnny, you brought this up in our YouTube, uh, not in our YouTube, in our WhatsApp. At WrestleMania, Drew McIntyre beats Brock Lesnar to win the championship, which is a Mm. fantastic moment for him. But because the world is in the midst of this pandemic, he does it in an empty stadium like yeah i find it so i mean partly you're like good on you like that's a really good thing and it's first scottish and british person to do. <laughs> and it was like at the same time it was this huge anti-climax where it was like oh i know they're doing their best to put something on yeah. but it was sort of like no crowds and just the sound of them there and it, you know it's they've got through it but it was like oh it's kind of a shame yeah it's a massive anticlimax. so like the original plans for wrestlemania was it was going to be at tampa bay buccaneers stadium which would have been mm. you know i don't know 80 90 000 people the buccaneers stadium rory you and i have actually been there We've randomly been there. which yeah. has got pirate ship in it it was all going to be like pirate themed wrestlemania and all that stuff um, been amazing. it would have been fantastic and instead they ran wrestlemania when every all sports had shut down and WWE was like, well, we're not going to shut down. We're going to keep going. I think they classed themselves as essential. Yeah, they did. They did. In Florida, <laughs> they classed themselves as essential business. And if it was controversial. Everyone was really uncomfortable about it. And they ran this bizarre WrestleMania show that didn't... I watched it and it was just... Biz- it just wasn't good. And they haven't had fans since. So Drew McIntyre has mm. been the champion for six months or however long. And he's not had a single fan watch him 
in the stadium. That's so rough. I mean, at least they'll have a unique thing in his Wikipedia page after all this, like the, the only champion in the fanless era of WWE. So Scottish. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yes. it's really Scottish, isn't it? Like, you know, he's actually, I've watched bits and pieces of him and he's he's actually been all right. Like, he's he's had some decent feuds with people. And this is, the reason that we're doing this podcast is because SummerSlam is later this month on um, August 23rd. And he's going to fight Randy Orton, who th- that's a big feud for him. Like Randy Orton is one of the best characters in WWE, arguably of all time. He's on a mm. great run right now because he's been fighting Edge for the last few months when Edge came back. You know, the ratings in WWE right now are absolutely in the toilet because they're putting out this terrible product with no fans. Guys can't react to the, the audience. And it's like, at the midst of it all, You've actually got this guy who's quite good and he's quite a good champion. And you're just like, it's, oh, it's so typical, isn't it? It's sucks. like, we, we have to hold on to these hollow victories. <laughs> kind of yeah, winning by me. default, yeah. that sort of thing. But like, I think that's just incredibly unfair to him. I know we joke about like Scotland, but he seems really professional. He seems like he always has been a fan of wrestling and grew up with it and has worked hard and like to your point like getting fired going away and then coming back is incredibly rare that's all hugely impressive i just feel so bad for him <laughs> right that this is yeah, the situation like, he's in I've, i read a thing the other day that said that the wwe is kind of souring on him because when you're the champion tv ratings are, are very difficult now because everybody streams no one really watches tv they all watch you know clips on youtube and stuff highlights instead and highlights yeah, yeah. like the the old school WWE mentality is like if you're the champion and the ratings are bad, then you're the problem. So ah, I think okay. it's going to end up that he's probably going to lose to Randy Orton at SummerSlam, and Randy Orton's like a proven entity. You know, he's won sort of thirteen or fourteen titles, and Drew's probably just going to kind of fade away. Well, and I hope he nah. doesn't because I think he's a really kind of impressive guy. He should lean into the criminology. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole storyline right there, isn't it? Detective Drew. C- this is going to be... CSI McIntyre. Yeah, so have have you guys watched much of him in seeing as you knew that we were going to do this? I, I would say... I, 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 like, I've only watched bits and pieces of him, and I, I do like him, and I don't know if a lot of that is just because of, like, he is Scottish, and I want him to do well, but I, I do I do genuinely think, like, he seems... I, I listened to a couple of interviews with him, and he seems professional. He seems very serious about it. He takes it incredibly seriously, um, you know, in the right ways, and he... It must be weird thinking about the fact that he's basically our age, that he is technically fighting some of the guys he grew up watching. Yeah. And I'm I'm wondering if like maybe they just need to make it a little bit more exciting because as much as he is a good wrestler and he looks cool and all that type of stuff, he maybe just needs a bit more personality. Yeah, so in- know. interesting that you say that because I've been thinking of ways to try and get his um, uh, gimmick up and you asked about you know how Scottish he is and stuff and he's got these two moves that are very Scottish and one of them is is this kick the Claymore kick so and then he's got this move called the Glasgow kiss <laughs> which, which is which is a, a headbutt and as you yeah, know the Glasgow it's... kiss is is that you know he needs more moves that are named after Scottish things I think and he needs to lean into that I 100% agree. I think I think it would be it would be fun just to take every other person's finisher 
and do the Scottish version of it, like, and just get in their face. Like what? Well, if he's going to be the the heel, then he might as well get into it. So instead of like the walls of Jericho, you do the walls of Hadrian, or <laughs> you know, Brock Lesnar has the F five. You, you know, Drew could do the M eight. You know, which is a major motorway from, yeah. <laughs> from Scotland to yeah. to London. Yeah, I don't know, like or the the McAnkle lock. I thought that yeah. a good one that he could do if he was in a tag team for a while would be the high road, low road. But he would need either Scotty Too Hotty from the Two Cool Days, or there's a guy that doesn't now called Otis, who's a big fat guy who does like the worm. Uh, so if Drew, if Drew McIntyre jumped off the top rope like with a splash, and the other guy was doing the worm, then that's the high road and the low road. It's nice, I like it. I like you know that the um, the Undertaker had one called the Last Ride. You could he could have an alternate that's just called the Last Bus for Town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think also he could do the Iron Brew, which is just hit someone with an iron pipe that he's got stuffed in his trunks the whole time. Very easy. If you're a bit more athletic, the Iron Brewplex. Yep. Oh, that's very good. There you go. I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, the Highland Fling, surely, like just Highland flinging people out of the ring. Like yeah. that, that was, he missed the mark on the rumble. Just to go obviously. back to our Highland Games, he could do the farting and tartan and he could wear a <laughs> kilt and like how Rikishi used to do the stink face, he could have yeah. someone in, up against, you know, the ring posts and he's, he's farting their face <laughs> until they submit. <laughs> or alternatively, you could just call that the Drew Brees. Oh, I like that. <laughs> that is good. You could definitely have that for a NFL crossover for sure. Based on the people's elbow, we could have the people's elbow. Yeah, straight people's out of elbow, brilliant. Didn't you have very, another very one good. based on Stone Cold? Yeah, the um, the Stone Cold Scunner. Yeah. <laughs> you could have as well like um, Mick Foley's move. You could say to Mr. Socko, you could have Mr. Jocko. <laughs> Which is just yeah. a, which is just a little sock puppet with a with a tartan hat on. <laughs> I'm like I think he should lean into it. Like do you guys obviously? We mentioned him earlier. You remember uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper? Who he wasn't Scottish, right? No, he was Canadian. No. He was from Saskatchewan. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> so he wasn't even he wasn't even from Nova Scotia. Although he did, <laughs> Come on. do you know? I did learn that he actually could play the bagpipes, which I was like, well, hat off to you for that. That's impressive in itself i didn't i wasn't into wrestling when i when it was the hulk hogan years and i but even i knew who roddy roddy piper was and i remember being shocked to find later that he wasn't actually scottish and like <laughs> what the hell is going on here <laughs> although i mean he he sort of represents because i think like he wasn't the best wrestler and he wasn't the biggest guy but like he totally had the gift of the gab and it's like it's like the most scottish you can be is that i think even if yeah, you're not from there he was a classic little guy who spoke too much and got himself into trouble yes but i i think that's with drew and i and i don't want to tell the what like six foot four probably 300 pound professional wrestler what to do with himself but like maybe that's just what he's lacking a little bit is if he has like he's obviously an amazing wrestler he's works hard and he does like puts the graft in maybe if he gets himself that's like gimmick and it doesn't have to be a scottish thing maybe it's whatever that'll make it easier for him to kind of build a personality and like talk in the ring a little bit more although that's not going to work if he's not talking to an audience if they literally don't exist that kind of sucks but like <laughs> maybe that's all he needs is that one little 
thing to help him really become something special. Yeah, I think so. Like, I mean, I would say that the thing about him is I'm interested in him because he's Scottish and I wouldn't necessarily say he's a super interesting character. And the best characters, of course, in wrestling are the ones that you remember because they're, you know, they're unique and they're different. And I Mm. think, yeah, I think he should just fully lean into the Mad Scotsman. There's another move, the Flying Scotsman. That's just an elbow off the top. Oh, no. very easy. Exactly. Done. Yeah, I think there's hundreds of them. I think you do need like to be a bit larger than life in those contexts. Do you know, I watched one thing I found, I was reading a bit about him and there was a like virtual round table where they were talking about like the Scottish wrestlers who are making a name for themselves. And so it was him. I don't know any of them really, but there there's a female wrestler in WWE Nikki Cross called Nikki Cross. Won, yeah. yeah, won the, yeah. the Women's Tag Team Championship recently. Yeah. And then there was a few others from like NXT and stuff, but I found it so funny because like it's basically a guy interviewing them all and they're all on Zoom or whatever, and uh, they they just so quickly descend into just like a bunch of Scottish people talking about like they, they all went to school together, like it's just like people in the pub, <laughs> and it was partly really lovely because it was like they just go back to that so fast, but it also was like something about that wrestling world where I think you need to sort of play the caricature a bit and like be slightly bigger than. Yeah, I mean it's it's sports entertainment. Like he's got the sports down, he's the athlete, but maybe he just needs to turn the entertainment up a notch or two. And I think he has done that a little bit. Like in the last few months, he definitely has been kind of allowed to be his own man. But I I I think there's a lot more there that he could do, and I think he could be a really effective guy for them going forward because he is he is really young, as I say, thirty five is not old in. uh, you know, you compare someone like The Undertaker or Ric Flair, like The Undertaker literally just retired. Yeah. And we all know The Undertaker's coming back at some point. You know? <laughs> yeah. He literally can't die, so... Yeah, yeah. why would you? But yeah, that's, uh, that's that. So like, yeah, he's got a big match against Randy Orton at SummerSlam. Are either of you inclined to even watch it at all? Or are you... <laughs> just, oh yeah just gonna wait no, for the, this, the greatest hits? At this, at this point, I do follow him. I'll follow how he's doing like i knew that he'd won the royal rumble i knew he was in the main event the other month and like i i didn't know who he was fighting in SummerSlam. like like you said kind of keep tabs on him now we've i suppose we've got to we don't have too many sportsmen that are our own so we've got to you know yeah. grab anything that we can so yeah i mean i guess that's all i've kind of got to say about him right now and, and thanks for indulging me and letting me this was go down this the, was lovely go down the route of talking about him i'm sure of the few listeners that we have, this is be this will be the one that Tiggy's gets one, them to Tiggy's unsubscribe. No, because I've been trying to interact with him on our Twitter account, and he's given me absolutely nothing so far. So, well, we'll make sure and keep giving an update on the latest with how much he's responded over the next few episodes. Maybe we, um, when this episode releases, I'll just at him and be like, "Dude, do you want to come on and set the record straight? Because this is basically a love letter to you." <laughs> And Rory, Rory's got loads of advice about how his can, career can be better. <laughs> I just, look, I just want you to be as successful as possible. That's that's it. Maybe it's we like sh- golf. Maybe we need to rebrand to some... Look, he's a conspiracy theorist. What if we just play him the Nessie episode then? <laughs> exactly. Surely that'll play into it. I can't believe that's that's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Detective Drew or CSI McIntyre. <laughs> like those, those storylines are going to be brilliant. Hopefully. I really do hope so, because that's what WWE needs right now, for sure. Well, this was this was 
Brilliant. Uh, thanks for uh, doing taking taking the lead, Chris. How did it feel? It was kind of nerve wracking, to be honest. I um, <laughs> yeah, I you. It's quite difficult. <laughs> and I didn't yeah, you, you, I, I wouldn't yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't even say that I did a lot of research for it I just like did it in one afternoon but I was like oh I mean I could have done a lot more but there's so much just minutiae on wrestling and you know the match that he had on November 2008 and yeah. November 11th 2008 and stuff and you're like yeah these guys are, I'm gonna lose them after five minutes start with the FBI <laughs> stuff and then you've got them hooked and then talk a bit about wrestling after. <laughs> yeah it's uh I, I'm glad that you finally have a vague appreciation for what I do every week but, I wouldn't say appreciation know. just more questioning of you know why you <sighs> waste so much time Jeez. doing this <laughs> I do it for you I just do it to be do you? to be it amazes me you still this. have a job really <laughs> <laughs> no i don't uh all right before before i finish because this is going to come out weird uh, weird timing the way that we were recording these this is actually going to come out ahead of our clans episode which gives me the opportunity to correct an uh, a mistake that i made before it even happens oh my god so yeah yeah i know so you remember that time when I was telling you all about the fight between the McDonald's and the McLeods on the island no, where they trapped not, them? Because that's not happened yet. When the listeners get to that next week, they just need to remember that it was the McDonald's that suffocated and the McLeods were the ones doing the murdering. I flipped them round. I corrected myself incorrectly halfway through that story oh, and God. then flipped them oh, round. No. Yeah. Jesus, Rory. We we said some really disparaging things about the McDonald's as well, and those were the poor people that had uh, that were trapped in the cave. I so. feel really bad for all those farming jokes now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got that to look forward to to next week. But um, Chris, you want to take us out? Uh, yeah, I'll just uh, say um, thanks again, chaps, for letting me do this. As you know, wrestling is a love of mine uh, and has been since I was about thirteen or fourteen. To the extent that I even got my wife to go to WrestleMania last year as well. And she got briefly hooked on wrestling as well. She was heavily pregnant at the time as well. So that was quite an achievement. Yeah, she shouldn't have gotten the ring. That was ill-advised at the time. Um, (laughs) There was no need for her to have a match. But watching it during coronavirus has been a little bit depressing um, because of the lack of audience. So it's just nice to kind of talk about it a bit and talk about it like like you're a fan. I think what Rory was getting at is, like, say the line. I don't know what the line is. <laughs> This'll do, lads. This'll do nicely. It's the name of... God damn it. All right, I'm stopping. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Just a couple more things. Please don't forget to subscribe and review the podcast on iTunes and Spotify and all other podcasting apps. You can email us at thisldonicelypod at gmail.com. Visit the website thisldonicelypod.com. Visit us on Twitter at thisldopod. All original music in this podcast is written and performed by our very own Johnny Naismith. Please like and subscribe to his YouTube channel and follow him on Instagram at jaw underscore knee underscore loves hugs and kisses from the Thistle Do Nicely pod.